Well, Happy New Year. God has given us another year to begin to serve Him. When the clock struck midnight the other night, about three seconds before I went to bed, my first thought was, I wonder if Jesus is going to come back this year. I wonder if we're going to see Jesus, which caused mixed emotions in me. Part of it is, man, I can't wait to see him, and I can't wait to be with him. The other side of that coin is, if he comes, it means that those that don't know him have no hope. And so there's this mixture of emotions as I begin to think about the coming of the Lord, and, and uh, I pray that while he gives us time, that we are able to serve him as effectively as we possibly can as he brings his anointing into our life. We've been enjoying in our church a season of harvest. I'm, I've, I've had conversations with friends of mine and pastors, and after being a pastor for 36 years, I've lived through enough other seasons to know I like this one. Uh, I love it when, when there's a harvest coming on and, and people are coming to know the Lord, and, and uh, it's it's a season that I'm asking God to continue to let it grow. Let this season grow. Uh, this morning, I'm going to be starting a series that's going to last probably four or five weeks. I'm not exactly sure just yet about uh, on prayer. And, and typically in January, I, I try to have a little bit of a focus as it launches us into the year because we, we recognize that prayer is, is so important to us. And today, I want to talk about I Pray That He May. And, and the, the series is just, just it's called I Pray. Um, I pray that um, God would begin to ignite a passion in our heart in some brand new ways. Uh, throughout this year, I was listening to some blogs and, and reading a book by, by Craig Rochelle that was talking about prayer, and as he began to talk about it, I began to jot down notes and, and begin to think there's some things and some of the things that he said that I really wanted to begin to develop, and so this is kind of where some of this is coming from today. But I want to ask you a question. How many of you absolutely believe in the power of prayer? May I see your hands? Absolutely believe in the power of prayer. How many of you absolutely believe that you do not pray enough? That was absolutely the same number of hands that went up before. I find that interesting, that while we absolutely believe in the power of prayer, we also absolutely believe that we do not participate in something that we absolutely believe has great power in as often as we should. And... As we saw the tons of hands that went up, I, I began in my mind thinking that probably was going to be the response and, and began to think in my mind as to what are some of the reasons that we may not participate in, in prayer um, the way that we ought to. I think some of it is we lack confidence in, in knowing God well. There are some of us that while we, we raise our hands and say, I absolutely believe in the power of prayer because of our lack of knowledge of the nature of God and, and the kind of God he is, that it, we kind of sometimes hesitate and hold back. And, and uh, as a result of that, we don't enter in the way we should. And then there's some of us, some of, some of us, we, we don't pray as much because we get bored. We get bored while we pray. You know, it's like, okay, I've got my three sentences that I want to talk to you about, God, and then after that, you know, when we talk about a week of prayer and that we're going to be spending an hour in prayer, some of you are going, an hour in prayer? I barely have enough to say when I ask God to bless my meal, uh, let alone an hour. How are we going to do that? And so I recognize that there's people that get bored when they pray, and I believe that God wants to give us some instruction to help us. And then there, then there are people that may be a little bit like me and, and have ADD. And I, um, 
And here's what happens. Sunday nights, for those of you that may naturally come to Sunday night prayer, I, I like walking. Some of you are walkers, some of you are kneelers, some of you are standers, some of you just, you know, you lay on the pew. Uh, but I begin to walk, and as I'm walking, my prayer often goes like, Lord, I need a miracle. I want to see a miracle, a, a miracle. And then I get to miracle, and the miracle reminds me of Miracle Whip. <laughs> Lord, I don't know why, but I'm taking a Miracle Whip, and now I'm a little hungry. I could really use a sandwich about right now, oh God. Lord, I, I can't even remember what I had for lunch today, and I don't know why I'm thinking about that. And then I begin to open my eyes because I've been so distracted, and I get to the end of the row, and, and then I discover that somebody has left a styrofoam cup from this morning's service underneath the chair, and I'm going, well, that's interesting that that's there. So I reach down, and I pick it up, and, and Pastor Jeff knows because he's always in the back, and I'm, I, I make trip after trip, walking over and throwing that away, and then I come back, and I start, oh, Lord, I need a miracle again. There's that miracle whip thing. You know, and we just begin to circle around in these things in our prayer, and, you know, we get sometimes so distracted. Other people don't pray because sometimes they get intimidated when someone around them, someone around them prays really, really good. You know, maybe you're standing next to Moses' little brother. <clears throat> you know, and... and he, Moses' and the little brother begins to pray, oh, dear God, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you. for." I'm quoting De Deuteronomy 29, Lord, that you would just bless our coming in and our going out, and we're the head and not the tail. And I mean, they start throwing scripture out there, and you, you're standing there, and you, you wanted to start praying, and then you get distracted, and you're going, that's great. God, I would answer that prayer if I were you. That, that's so good. And then... It begins to develop this little competitive nature in our prayer. We don't want to be, but we're going, you know, Lord, I want to kind of pray like that. And so we start praying what comes into our minds, and, and sometimes it's commercials. Oh, God, you're like Jehovah Nissan. You're, you're, like, you're like the God of transportation, oh, Lord. And, and I, I just pray, God, for my car or whatever. You know, Lord, Lord, you're so good. You're so good, oh, God. You're good to the last drop. And, and Thank you, God, that you're like a good neighbor. You're just... You're, you're just always there, you know, and we're doing anything that we can do to kind of stay in the prayer game, you know, that competitive aspect of it, and, you know, we begin to feel inadequate within our prayer life, and I don't know if any of you have ever experienced any frustrations like that, or if you just in the last three minutes have lost all respect for me as your pastor, but <laughs> I want you to know that over the next few weeks that I'm asking God to move us, to do a work in us, to teach us, to move us to a place where where we begin to understand if we really believe that God answers marvelous prayers, that we become marvelous prayers. And I want to start today by just saying one of the things that we often do is we make a mistake when we pray because we tend to get caught into the trap of praying small prayers. And for those of you that want to just jot down a note, there's, there's a, your bulletin has an outline, but I would just, if you want a tweetable thought, it's we must avoid the trap of praying small prayers. Our prayers are often small and general in nature. And sometimes I think God honestly must be a little bit frustrated with us and what we pray for. For example, and this probably will ring true with many of you, we generally start the day, and sometimes our prayers to God are like this. Oh, God, would you, would you just bless my day? Would you bless me today, Lord? You know, give me, give me what I need to make it through. And, Lord, while you're at it, would you bless my family and bless so-and-so? And sometimes I wonder if God, when he hears that, is, is, it just stops and goes, Have you looked at where you live? 
Have you looked at what country that you are in? You're asking me for blessing, and I have blessed you abundantly. Everything that you're already asking for, I've already done. You are blessed. You are blessed. I'm happy to do it, but please look around. Or we start the day and say, Lord, I know that I'm going to be facing a difficult day today, so would you just be with me today? Would you? And he's going, did you not read my word where I said that I will never leave you nor forsake you, so you are praying such little prayers. I want big stuff. I want you to think bigger than that. Ask me for something that when I do it, it will show off my glory. Ask me for something that does not undercut the power of God, who when I say all things are possible with me, that you will believe it. Begin to ask me for those things. I wonder sometimes if our lack of being specific or the, the, the lack of breadth insults God in the way that we sometimes pray and that he wants to do more if we would just have the faith to ask for more. So I want to encourage you. Over this coming week, we're going to begin to pray for some big prayers, not just general things, but some big specific things. And he tells us that we can do this because he says we do not have because we do not ask it tells us in James 4 2 so what I want to do is I want to ask God for some very specific requests and have the faith to believe that he can do things that otherwise would be impossible for us to see and that when he all of a sudden answers them in ways that we may have thought about or ways that we didn't think about that we would stand back in absolute awe at the power of our God to respond when we pray. So I'm going to be asking us to pray big prayers. I love reading other people's prayers. Do any of you ever, ever read books about other people's prayers? And there's a crazy story about Martin Luther, who was the father of the Reformation. And he had a friend named Frederick Mykonos, who was an assistant who kind of helped him administrate all of the enormous tasks that was going on in reforming the church in the 1500s. And when they were apart, Mykonos fell deathly ill and was on his deathbed and he wrote a letter of farewell to, to Luther saying the end is near I love you and all that kind of stuff and Luther wouldn't stand for that when he got that letter he didn't just say oh God bless you I pray that God will just kind of touch you he, he, this is what he wrote back as a prayer he said I command you in the name of God to live because I still need you at least he's honest I need you in the work of reforming the church, and the Lord will never let me hear you are dead, but will permit me to survive you. For this I am praying, praying because I seek only to glorify the name of God. Now, folks, that is a big, audacious, specific prayer. And do you know what God did? When Mykonos received that letter, he was within, they said, hours of dying. And when he read, had that letter read to him, his faith began to engage in him and he got up, and he got better, and he continued the work, and he lived two months longer than Luther did. God answered that prayer. So I believe that we need to learn to pray to tap into the power of God, and, and that's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. And we're going to do that by looking at some different texts of prayers that Paul prayed and begin to learn from him of some ways that we can pray so that we can see God do some of the same things or greater things in our life than he did. And I'm going to ask that you would turn to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to start there today. Ephesians chapter 3. And in verses 14 and 15, it says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom this whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. 
Now, I find it interesting in here that Paul, for whatever reason, decides to acknowledge to us the posture that he took in prayer. And in this case, Paul decided to kneel before God in prayer. I would encourage you to vary the postures of your prayer. Uh, I, I think that there's great times when... Uh, walking around and praying is good. I believe there's times when kneeling is good. I believe that if you're driving, you should pray with your eyes open. I think that's a great time to pray. Uh, I, I don't think there's ever a time when it's inappropriate to pray, but that we should always do that. But there was, in this instance, Paul decided to kneel. And sometimes I like to kneel because it, it helps me to focus. It brings me to a place where I, I feel maybe that there's a value in being able to kneel before God, acknowledging his kingship and, and my servanthood to him in that. But in verse 16, it says, I pray. Paul prays. I pray that out of God's, what does it say? Glorious riches. I pray that out of his glorious riches. I want to stay there for just a moment. When we raised our hand a while ago and we talked about the fact that we believe that God answers prayer, one of the things that brings us to that place is understanding the pantry that God has for us. Um, I think it's important that what Paul tells us here is that we are going to the Father who is gloriously rich in all of the blessings. He's not like you and I that may have to look at our checkbook and decide, okay, what blessings can we give this month and who's going to get bypassed? God is gloriously rich in all of his blessings. He has everything that every one of us needs. It's fully there. It's fully available. And he opens the pantry and he says, step in. Come in and get what you need because I am gloriously rich in all that you need. Now, do any of you need anything today? Four of you. I am preaching to the wrong church. <laughs> we are praying to a gloriously rich God. And the first thing that we need to know, if you're jotting down notes, is number one, we need the power to know God's resources. We need the power to know his resources. Ephesians 1.3, Paul, Paul had said this. He said, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In other words, God has already dispensed to us everything that we need in life and blessing. It's already been given in the heavenly realm and our ability to tap into that comes through our ability to pray and to ask. And so he's already given it to us in the heavenly realms. He says, I pray that out of God's glorious riches that God would do this. Now, Paul had said in Philippians 4, he said, my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches. And so he doesn't measure your need according um, to an almost empty jar. He measures your need and how he will respond to that according to his unlimited riches. I don't know about you, but that excites me. That makes it easier for me to approach him in prayer knowing that his resources are beyond my ability to fully understand how he wants to answer. And so oftentimes we approach God like, like he is spiritually impoverished. Lord, I, I hate to ask you for this. You know, I don't want to bother you. I don't want to drain your resources, but if you could just, you know, instead of, I am coming to the Father of all the power of the universe and you have told me that the pantry is full and that you're gloriously rich and I come to you today and God, I'm going to ask a big prayer because I know that you have big resources. 
And that's the way I'm going to approach you. And we begin to ask specific faith-filled prayers, and God delights in blessing his children and every spiritual blessing from the heavenly realms. And he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches. And then what does Paul say? I pray that out of these riches. Here's what he said. I pray that God may strengthen you with what? Power. How many of you need that today? Any of you need power? And he says, here's the kind of power, and here's the way God wants to dispense it to you, and here's the way that it will be evident to others. I want him to give you power through his spirit in your inner being. In other words, I want there to be something pulsating on the inside of your spirit that is uniquely divinely appointed, that when you need strength, you know it's there because God has put it there by his Holy Spirit, and you can stand when you need to stand. You can overcome when you need to overcome. And then he goes on to say, as we, we see this pattern, Paul says, I pray that God may. In other words, Paul says, I've discovered a key. I've discovered that what unlocks the ability of God to work on my behalf is my ability to ask him, my ability to pray. I pray that he may. And as I begin to think about that, I thought, that alone ought to change the way we pray, the frequency, we, frequency in which we pray, and probably the passion in which we pray. If I know that my asking is the key to his sending, then I want you to know I'll be a great asker because it's the key to it all. The Greek word that's translated power here is dunamis. We get our word dynamite from it. It means explosive, miraculous power of God. It's not like human power that he may strengthen us with a spiritual dunamis, supernatural power that is available to us. And he says, while it is available to you, so many people never learn to tap into this power in their spiritual life, and they constantly live on the verge of defeat. Not because they couldn't be overcomers, but because they've never learned to ask for the power to be overcomers. I pray that you'll have power so that the presence of Christ may dwell in your heart. You need the power of God to prove to the world that God is real and that you are not a fake. You need the power of God. Secondly, he prays that they would have the power to know his love. He continues on in verse 17. I pray that you being rooted and established. Now, I, I, I love this word as an old farmer, this aspect of, of that my life may be rooted in his nature to the point where the root system of a life is what draws the nutrients, what's, what draws the refreshment, what replenishes. And he says, I pray that you would be rooted in the love of God so that what is flowing out of the nature of God is bringing with it all of the nutrients that you need to be like him. If your life is not like the Lord and you're disappointed in the way that you live and what you do, it's because your root system is planted in the wrong place. Because if it is planted in Christ, then those nutrients that come through the word and prayer will reproduce him in you. And so he says, I want you to be rooted, rooted and established in love. And he goes on to say that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know the love that surpasses knowledge. Now, Paul was a wordsmith. I love reading him and how he describes it, but he came, he came to a place where he's trying to describe the love of God and he didn't know what to say. In all of this, he became stunned, and so he's, he's trying to describe, how do I describe the love of God? And so he just says, I pray that somehow you might know how high it is 
how wide it is, how deep it is, that you might know the breadth of it because I don't have the ability to put into words to describe to you how great this love is. Now, how many of you are parents? How many of you as parents have ever said this to your children? I wish you knew how much I love you. Any of you ever said that to your kids? Generally, it's right after they tell you, you don't love me. And you look at them, and you do not know how to put into words. You just say, I wish you knew how much I love you. And you recognize that you are speaking to a child something that they will not know, some of them for years and years, until they become parents themselves. And suddenly there's a a portion of their heart that is unlocked, and they begin to recognize there's a reservoir of love they didn't know as a kid. They couldn't have known it until they were parents. Because when we hold our children for the first time and we look at them, I I learned a lot about God's love and my security in his love when I held my daughter for the very first time. When I'm looking at her, I'm going, how is it possible that God can love me more than I love her? I don't know that that's possible. And Paul is saying to us, one of the things that we can do as a believer is pray. Pray that we might understand how much God loves us. Oh, God, that I could possibly come to that place where I might know and have peace within my heart and assurance within my heart because I have a supernatural understanding of the love of God. What's really crazy about this is that you cannot naturally understand God's love. It must be supernaturally revealed to you. Our finite minds are not capable and do not have the capacity to comprehend just how much God loves us. But if we did... If we had that ability, if our children could only know how much we love them, here's how our prayers might change for our children. You see, we would no longer be praying, oh God, I pray that you would just bless my child's day. Lord, I pray that you would just protect them, help them to stand against the forces of evil. Lord, just just be with them, Lord, so that they don't become overcome. I believe that when we begin to understand the the nutrients of understanding God's love, our prayers turn around and go, Lord, I pray that you would let them rise up in the strength and power of your love today. I pray that my children, when they walk into that school, will walk with their heads up and being thankful that you are with them and have an understanding of how much they are loved and that their assurance and their acceptance comes from you and not those around them. I pray that my children, filled with the Holy Spirit, might stand up and become leaders everywhere they go because that's the kind of prayer God wants for us to pray when we understand his love. It's the essence of his love. Let me tell you how you pray about your families. For those of you that may be in situations where, where the, the relationship between husband and wife is not where it needs to be, rather than saying, oh God, I pray for that jerk, what I suggest is that you begin to pray, God, I pray that my wife and that my husband might come to know and understand how deeply you love them and that when they do, they would humble themselves before you and stand up in the presence of mighty God and begin to lead our family in a way that glorifies and honors you. I pray that we would begin to walk in the victories that you have for us because we understand how much you love us. And Lord, I'm praying that and I'm standing in it and I'm going to believe it for my family. You begin to pray things like that and Satan begins to shake. but it comes from understanding the power of how much that you were loved. What begins to happen when you begin to pray prayers like that is change begins to take place in your life. 
for those of you who may be quarrelsome in nature, those of you that are living a life where you're just dissatisfied, it doesn't matter what goes on in your life, you can find the cloud in the middle of a clear day. For those of you that may be lonely or those of you that are discouraged or those of you that are living in depression, as you begin to pray for the power to know the love of God, suddenly wave after wave after wave of the love of God begins to hit you and it begins to wash away all of those things that are not of his nature. It begins to destroy the foundations that the enemy has tried to hook into you and as they're washed away, what is left in its place is the cleanliness that comes from the waves of the love of God that gives you strength. So you're praying for big things. You're praying that God would raise up your children, that there would be leadership. You pray for your family, that you would stand in the glory of the living God. You, pray, you begin to pray for our church, and you pray for it like this. Not just, oh God, would you please let us have a good day so we can worship. God, would you raise up your church so that we could have influence in Syracuse, in its government, in its schools. Give us influence everywhere we go. Let us begin to walk in the power of God that we can begin to speak prophetically and see strongholds of our community falling down because we're walking in the power of a mighty God who says, I love you and I'm sustaining you in that love. You begin to pray like that and let's just watch what God will do for our church and for our influence. And then lastly, Paul says, pray to live fully. In verse 20, it's almost like an anthem the way he words this. Now to Christ, who was able to do, what's the word? Immeasurably more. Now I had to, I had to stop on this for a little while. I have read this verse hundreds of times but there was something that just arrested me that we have a Christ who's able to do immeasurably more so if he's able to do more why does he not do more because we've never asked for him to do more he stands ready for us to ask he says my capabilities are unbelievable I just need you to begin to ask big enough prayers that when I begin to work you stand back and go "Woo, that was God in fact I love the way he puts it because in other words, Paul's saying there is no system of measurement that mankind has. As bright as we are and of all of the abilities we have, there's no system of measurement that we have that can even begin to get us to a place. Not only can we not measure it, he goes on to say, you don't even have the capability of asking or imagining enough of what I can do. That, that blows me away. How many of you have great imaginations? Oh, Jesus, would you give our people imagination, Lord? <laughs> Some of you are so beat down, you're afraid to dream. Some of you have gotten to the place in your own spirit where you're going, I just need to make it. No, no, no. God wants us to be victorious. He said, I've got more than your mind is capable of even measuring or asking or thinking. And so we look at this and we see the faith in this prayer. It's not God, don't, don't just help us through the day. But God, I pray that whatever influence I have in my life will change generations. I don't want to just have an influence today and I don't want it just to be here. I want it to change generations. How many of you have parents or grandparents that have a story of something that God did that has been passed down to your generations and your family? Lots of hands there. Isn't it amazing 
that some of the very things that builds our faith and helps us to understand God's power came from stories that were passed down from generation to generation. You know what? The next generation needs your story, so you better start living one. Live in a way that God can give you a story. Pray in a way that God can power, powerfully answer your prayer so you have something to tell your children and they have something to tell their grandchildren about the power of a living God. Otherwise, we've shortchanged them. And so we pray, oh God, begin to work within us that we might see this power at work. And it says it's work within us. You're not on your own. You're not on your own. When you're weak, his power is made perfect in you. He's at work creating within you an environment that his glory can reside and show. And so we pray, oh God, let us pray bold, audacious prayers because you've asked us to. I'm going to ask the worship team to please come. As they're coming, I want to ask you a couple of questions. First of all, I'd like to give you some instruction. For the next seven days, for this coming week, I want you, every time you kneel down to pray, to open your Bibles to Ephesians 3. And I want you to go through these verses that we just read today, verse by verse. And I want you to pray, God, give me your imagination. Give me the ability to see things as you see them. Because if he does that, then your dreams will not be your dreams. They'll be his dreams. And if they're his dreams, then he already has the pantry open so that you can reach in and get what you need in order to see it fulfilled in your life. If you've been living in defeat, just struggling to make it, and you're beginning to wonder, I don't know if I can do this, I want you to know that there's power available to be an overcomer because he's given it to you. But I want you to open your Bibles and, and look at this and pray those things. Ask God to fill your mind with his thoughts. Ask God, if you need to ask him, say, how can I pray, oh God? Teach me how to pray so that I can be specific, so that I can pray big prayers, so that when you answer them, I step back and everybody looks and says, that was God because there's no way you could do that. Ask him how to do that. And the next thing is this. How many of you already know a big, specific prayer that you need to pray? 